Well, hey, everybody, great to be with you today and love this Valentine's Day weekend. Real quick, can we just welcome everybody online? Want to make sure you guys feel welcomed and a part of this. I love in this Yes series that we're in. This is week four. We've got two more weeks and you can go online and uh, in, there's a whole PDF there if you haven't got that. Hey, and let me just let you know, if you haven't even started this, all right, the Lord loves you. You can dive in this week, all right? We're not here to judge you. We just want this to be a steady guide and encourage you as we're walking through the book of Mark. And as Sam said, we're starting today, we're looking at how Jesus begins to call his disciples to a deeper yes. And what we're finding is this, we want to root all of our no's in a deeper yes in Jesus. That when we say yes to Jesus, it begins to guide our life. And what we're looking at today is how Jesus calls us on a journey with him. That's what the book of Mark is all about. It's actually the book of Mark was written to a bunch of new believers who were trying to figure out what it means to follow Jesus. Because all they knew was the world. And you know how it is, if you become a follower of Jesus, we leave the ways of the world and we start following this new way, this new savior, this new man. And Mark begins to write this book to help everybody understand that God has called them on a journey with him. And here's the beautiful thing about it. Every single one of us, I love what Ecclesiastes 3 verse 11 says. It says this, that God has set eternity in the hearts of man. It means this, that God has created you for his eternal purposes. He has created you for things bigger than yourself. He has created you for a journey, an experience with him. That is what your soul is. The only question for you and I to ask ourselves today is this, what journey are we on? What journey are you on in life right now? Sam mentioned it, that Friday of this last week was exactly one year ago that we were in the Yum Center. Look at this picture here. I think this is the last time, right? Who knows how much COVID was going on in that picture right there? We don't know. But I know this. I'll go, man, it was powerful. And we had this moment of worship. And Michael W. Smith came out and it surprised everybody. And I loved it because older people were like, that is my hero. And younger people went, who is this? You know, it was just this great moment of celebration and worship. And we set the table and God said, we said, God, we're going to go on this journey of generosity and sacrifice. And just a quick update, we're going to send you all some pictures this week. The foundry, which is now turned into our West Auditorium, is like 99% done. It is a phenomenal building. We can't wait to show you all of that. Our students are going to be in there. Our young adult ministry is going to be there. And I just want to let you know this. We have not over at least, we counted up, at least for the last seven years, had an available room in our building during a weekend service. Meaning this, if we wanted to have a class, if we wanted somebody to take their next step with Jesus, you always had to wait till the service was over. And now because of your generosity, we're being able to create space for classes like that, for people to take their next step with Jesus. So for, we're saying, hey guys, we want to equip you. We want to invest in you. But here's the deal. We went on a journey together. This is the beauty that all of us share in our faith of Jesus. That Jesus has said, I've invited you in to a journey. Now, here's how I know you and I are wired for a journey. And, and we discovered this when we were kids. Two words. This is how you knew you were wired for a journey, that God put this in you. Ready? Two words. Field trip. Right? When you saw that on the agenda, right? You're like, yes, yes, field trip. I've never met a kid who on field trip day, or anybody remember field day at the, end of the, at the end of the year, right? Man, field day was even better, right? You just knew it was gonna be wild. I've never had, or I never saw a kid walk in a room and went, field day, can't we just do math? 
Never heard it, never seen it. You know why? Because that's not why, we weren't made for math, right? We were made for field day. We were made for field trips. We were made to experience. This is why even kids, when you hear this phrase, we don't just start barking orders at kids. You know what gets kids' attentions? Phrases like this, once upon a time. Or for some of you, in a galaxy, what? Far, far away, right? The adults, we love it. We're like, give us a story. Take us on a journey. Capture my imagination. And you know why? Because you're made in the image of God. That reflects who God is. You know how the Bible starts? In the beginning. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. In the beginning, a creator. In the beginning, the story. In the beginning, this thoughtful, unbelievable creator who fashioned all of the galaxies. And yet he fashions the galaxies and he knows and makes you and your DNA. And everybody is a unique person. There is no other you. Do you know that? The one who creates the stars created your soul. Just think about that story for a moment. See, this is why we've got to put a deeper yes in Jesus because you and I were made for a story. We were made for a journey. Matter of fact, when you look at the Bible, the Bible is just a massive narrative. Here's the narrative. God created all things good. Adam and Eve sinned and now everything in creation became all about God's redemption. God redeeming all things, bringing all things back together. This is what, when sin came into the world, you know what? It wasn't just that you and I sinned against God. You know what sin did? This, uh, the word shalom means peace. It's in the Old Testament. This is what Jesus came to fulfill. He came to fulfill your relationship between you and God, you and yourself, you and others, and you and all of creation. Grace and redemption is a massive story that Jesus is inviting you into. See, this is why we've got to pay attention when Jesus in Mark chapter 8 today is going to begin to show us a new way to live. This is what I love. I didn't even realize this until later on when I began to read the Bible. I didn't know this about the life of Jesus because sometimes when you read the Gospels, uh, you know, Mark, he, he doesn't start at the very beginning of Jesus' birth like Luke does. He just starts with Jesus' ministry and he takes off and he's flying. Matthew's a little bit more descriptive. John does some unbelievable language. Luke is chronological. And what I realized this about Jesus' life, the more I got into Jesus, Jesus understood the power of a field trip. Jesus understood sometimes it's good to go to synagogue to open the scriptures to teach but what Jesus knew is this if your life was going to be changed I need to take you on a journey and so eight times when you look at the life of Jesus and how he did ministry with his disciples eight times he took them on a field trip eight times he took them on a short-term mission trip and here's why when Jesus would take his disciples on the trip it's because he wanted them to experience something deeper about who he was he wanted them to see a deeper story he wanted them to experience all that Jesus is. If you're taking notes in your journal or in your phone, I want to write, I want to encourage you to write this down. Here's what Jesus is saying when we say yes to him. Jesus is saying, say yes to me, but also say yes to my journey. See, too many times we'll just say yes to Jesus, but we won't say yes to the journey. And when we say yes to Jesus, we are saying yes to him. Now, here's three things that happens when you and I go on a journey, right? We all ask these three questions. One, who's driving? Because if they're driving, I ain't going, right? You know what I'm saying? I'm driving, right? How many people like, if you're going on a journey, you're driving, right? That's me, right? Partly it's just because I get car sick, right? So I'm like, hey, I'm, I'm driving. But here's the thing. When you go on a journey, we got to answer three questions. One, who's driving? 
Where are we going and how do we get there? And the beautiful thing about the journey today is this, Jesus is gonna answer those for us. He's gonna go, who's driving your journey? Where are you going and how do you get there? See, Jesus knows our hearts crave a story bigger than ourselves. You don't even have to be a Christian here today to desire that. Every single person in the world longs to be a part of something bigger than themselves. We yearn, we yearn for it, we want it. And listen what happens, this is in Mark chapter eight, verse 27. Jesus takes his disciples on a journey. It says this, Jesus and his disciples went on to the villages around Caesarea Philippi. I'm gonna explain that here in a second about that place. And on the way, he asked them as a good teacher would, who do people say I am? Ask a good question. It's what good teachers do, right? They don't just start teaching, they ask good questions. Who do you say that I am? Or who do they say, people say I am? They replied, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, still others, one of the prophets. Bunch of different rumors about who Jesus is. And then listen to what Jesus says. But what about you? Who do you say I am? Jesus does, and this is very fitting for Valentine's Day weekend, he does a little DTR. We gotta define the relationship here. Where are we at? Who am I? Okay, that, who, that's who I am to people. Who am I to you? Listen what Peter says. Peter tells him, you are the Christ, meaning the Messiah, the Savior. Jesus warned them not to tell anyone about him. Now, now here, let me tell you what's going on. Just real quick, when it says that he took them up to Caesarea Philippi, let me just let you understand this real quick. You can read about this in Matthew chapter 16. It's the same story. There's just a lot more content there. Mark is just kind of going through this story real quick. Caesarea Philippi was one of the pagan cities for worship in that daytime. This is where people would come. Sometimes they would come and offer their children as sacrifice to get blessings from the gods. Jesus takes his disciples into the middle, the middle of pagan worship. And he goes, who do they say I am? Because he knows this. People have heard about him. Some worship, some this or that. And he goes, uh-huh. But who do you say I am? And what's fascinating is Matthew chapter 16, he says this. When Peter says, you are the Christ, he says, good for you. And he says, and upon this rock, I will build my church. And the gates of what? Anybody remember he says? Hades will not prevail against it. When I had a chance to go to Israel, here is Caesarea Philippi. And this is where they believed they would offer child sacrifice into a pit to please the gods. And what Jesus was saying to his disciples, is, field trip changes it now, doesn't it? When he takes them there, what happens is this, he goes into there and he tells them this. He says, hey, listen, I have a journey for you to go on. And here's the journey. The gates of hell are not gonna prevail against my church. But here's the deal. Who do you say I am? What Jesus was asking in that moment is this. Who's driving your journey? Who's driving your journey? Who's in charge? Three things that we see within this that we have to decide. One, is Jesus just a myth? Is he just a man or is he the Messiah? That, that's what they're saying in this moment. Either, either he's the, um, just a myth or he's the man. When, when he's a myth, that's what they said. Some think you're Elijah. 
He was taken up to God. They go, now you're kind of this God-like figure. Maybe you're John the Baptist. You've come back from the dead because you're doing these good things, but you're kind of like a myth or you're a man. Some say you're a prophet, Jesus, but prophets aren't God. They just talk about God. And here's the thing about sometimes that we get confused. Sometimes we can go, Jesus was a good man. There's many religions that believe Jesus was actually real and that he was a man. They just don't believe he was God, meaning this. They just won't let him drive their journey. Matter of fact, Thomas Jefferson, uh, he took a Bible. And what he did was this. Thomas Jefferson didn't like all the parts in the Bible about when Jesus would do miracles and when he resurrected. And so Thomas Jefferson cut all those out of the Bible and formed his own Bible. Because this is what Thomas Jefferson believed. I like Jesus's laws, he's a very moral man, but all this other supernatural stuff, not for me. I'll pick and choose the Jesus I want. Who do you say that I am? Is he a myth? Is he a man? Or is he the Messiah? Is he the king of the universe? Peter says, you are the Messiah. And then listen what Jesus tells him. He began to teach them that the son of man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders, the chief priest and the teachers of the law, and that he must be killed and after three days rise again. And he spoke plainly about this and Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. Now, just get this picture here real quick. Jesus asked him, who am I? You're the Messiah. Good, because I'm going to go die. I must die for the sins of the world. I'm going to go die at the hands of the religious leaders. I'm going to go die. I'm going to go be rejected. And then I'm going to rise again. Peter's like, oh, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Come here, bud. Come here, buddy. Oh, man. You got a sweetheart, Jesus. You've just lost your mind. And he begins to rebuke Jesus. He begins to tell Jesus, no. You don't know what you're saying. That's what Jesus says to him. He goes on. After he begins to rebuke him in verse 33, it says, but when Jesus turned and looked at his disciples, he rebuked Peter. Now get that imagery for a second, right? Peter's brought him over here to rebuke him. It says Jesus turned to his disciples and he rebuked Peter. Do you see the picture? He's about ready to just lay in to Peter over here, but he's looking at his disciples and listen what he tells them. He says, get behind me, Satan, he said, because you do not have in mind the things of God, but the things of men. See, here's the journey that Jesus has for Peter, for his disciples, and for you and I today. This is when he says, I've got a journey for you. What he's saying is this, I have a journey of maturity for you. I have a journey of maturity. I want to take you further on the journey. Here's the deal with Peter. Peter had the right answer, but he had the wrong destination. Right answer, wrong destination. Right answer, Peter. He is the Messiah. The only problem is you're going in the wrong direction because what, what he really didn't realize was going on in his heart was this. Peter wanted Jesus to be king, but he wanted him to be the political king that Israel was waiting for to overflow, overthrow Rome so he could get power. And when Jesus says, I'm not going to go overtake Rome to become the political king that you want, I'm going to go die at the hands of Rome. Peter's like, no, nah, Jesus, that's not how I see it. That's not my dream. That's not my plan. And what Peter was really saying is this, Jesus, you're just a means to my end. You're not my way of maturity. You a man, you a myth, 
Or Jesus, are you the Messiah? And see, he has to call Peter in because here's what's going on in this moment. You know what Satan wants for you and I more than anything? He wants us to accept Christ, just not his cross. That's what Satan wants for us. Accept Christ, just not his cross. That's how Satan attacked Jesus in the desert. Jesus, just, just prove to me, if you really are the son of God, turn these stones into bread because you're fasting. Prove to me that you are. No, 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 I'm not going to put the Lord my God to the test. Then he begins to, to tempt Jesus even more. And he goes, why don't you throw yourself down? And he begins to quote scripture. Hey, the angels will rescue you. And what he's saying is this, why don't you prove your relevance to the world? Jesus says, no, I'm not going to do that. And then he says, if you just bow down and worship me, I will give you all power. And you know what he was saying is this, Jesus, just don't go to the cross. What happens if Jesus doesn't go to the cross? We don't have salvation. We don't have life. We don't have grace. See, this is why Jesus rebukes Peter in this moment. He says, get behind me, Satan, because what he's saying is this, there is no hope for the world without the cross. May we be aware, may we pay attention that when we claim Christ, we always claim the cross. Man, that is our grace. This is our mercy. There is no other way because Jesus says this, you don't have in mind the things of God. He tells Peter this, you only have the things of men. Any of y'all heard about the whole premise of uh, the power of one degree? You know, at one degree off, at 33 degrees, things don't freeze, but at 32, they freeze. What is it, 212 degrees, things begin to boil. You know, this is the thing. A lot of times we think, oh, one degree off, no big deal. No big deal. So here's the deal. If you were traveling to Chicago and your coordinates were one degree off, from here to Chicago, you would only be about five miles off your target. Not bad. Most time, if you fly to Chicago, they take you out over Lake Michigan anyway, right? For like five miles and bring you back in, you know, to land. Not a big deal. But if I were flying to Romania to go see my sister, who's a missionary over there, what would happen is this. If I was one degree off, I would miss where she lives by 86 miles. Now, hopefully the plane's got enough gas, right? That's a little bit, that's a little bit trek, but we can come back. We can rebound from that. We, we can come around. Here's the only problem. If I was going to the moon and I was one degree off, one degree off from the moon, I would miss the moon by 4,169 miles. Imagine how ticked you'd be in space, right? If that scientist got you one degree off, you're like, hey guys, is that the moon over there? Wasn't I supposed to go over there? That's only 4,169 miles away. Here's what happens. The further you go one degree off in life, the more you miss Jesus. The longer you go one degree off, the more you miss Jesus. If you were to go to the sun and your coordinates was one degree off, you would miss the sun. Why would we go to the sun? To get away from this weather. Why would we go to the sun? All right, just go see it. Here's the deal. If you were one degree off from the sun, you would miss the sun by 1.6 million miles. If you were to go to the closest star, one of our closest stars, you go, I want to go visit a star. And you were one degree off from a star, you would miss the star by 441 billion miles. Here's the deal. The longer you and I go, only having the things of men, but not the things of God in our heart, the more we miss Jesus. See, this is why it matters that we understand Christ and his cross. 
that we go on the journey with him. The longer we go follow him. Matter of fact, I love this on page 55 in your journal. Neil did an incredible job laying this out. There's three times, there's three announcements in Mark chapter 8 and Mark chapter 9 and in Mark chapter 10. You know, it's phenomenal. Jesus makes these announcements. I'm going to the cross. I'm going to die at the hands. I'm going to be raised again. And right here in Mark chapter 8, Peter responds with this. He rebukes Jesus and goes, that's not my plan. That's not what I want. In Mark chapter 9, Jesus says it again. I'm going to go die at the, at the hands of all the Pharisees and the leaders. And then it says this, all the disciples started arguing about who is the greatest. In Mark chapter 10, Jesus says it again. And then James and John come up to Jesus. And you know what they say? They say Jesus says, I'm going to go die. You know what they can say? Hey, Jesus, when you come into power, can we sit on your left and your right? Meaning this, Jesus, when you come into power, can we be your vice presidents? He says, you have no idea what you're asking. Why he's saying this in this moment is this, you've missed why I've come. See, this is why Jesus takes us on field trips. Because we learn when we go on a journey with him. This is why he took an accessory of Philippi. The world only has the things of men in mind. I have the things of God. Don't miss the things of God. Don't miss the things of God. Man, I have so much for you. So how do we grow in maturity? Listen to what Jesus says in verse 34. It says, then he called the crowd to him along with the disciples. And listen to what it says. He says, if anyone would come after me, he must deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. One of the most radically inclusive and exclusive sentences in the Bible. If Anybody wants to come after me. Come on, everybody. But here's the deal. You got to deny yourself, take up your cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for me and for the gospel will save it. Jesus says, you're trying to save your life. And he goes, I'm telling you guys, if you go that route, you're going to lose your life. You're not going to find life. It's not going to fulfill you. It's not going to be enough because all you're going to have is the things of men. I have the things of God. And here's what he says. But if you lose your life for me and for the gospel, you will find your life. You will save it. Don't try to save yourself. Let me save you. Because what good is it for a man to gain the whole world yet forefoot his soul? Or what can a man give in exchange for his soul? Because if anyone is ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, the Son of Man will be ashamed of him when he comes in his Father's glory with the holy angels. Boy, this is a powerful moment. I can imagine the disciples' eyes are kind of bugging out right now. We're like, whoa, Peter, why'd you have to ask this, right? You know, what, what, you know, they're hitting him like, man. And here's what Jesus is trying to get us to understand. He's going, here's what I want for you. I want you to move away from having the things of men in mind. I want you to have the things of God. But if you want to have the things of God, here's the journey. You and I have got to be on the journey of dying to our agendas. That's hard to do, isn't it? To die to our agendas. This is why he opens with saying, hey, if anyone wants to come after me, he's inviting all of us. I love this phrase from a pastor, D.L. Moody, a quote from him. He says this, I question the salvation of anyone who isn't concerned with the salvation of everyone. Man, I, I'm concerned and question the salvation of anyone who isn't concerned with the salvation of everyone. Meaning this, all of us ought to have this desire for everybody to go on this journey with Jesus. But the journey of Jesus, he says this, begins with denying ourselves. 
It's hard to deny ourselves stuff, isn't it? Man, we don't deny ourselves anything, right? Clicking a button, Amazon, boom, right? It's just there, man. We, we don't have to deny ourselves anything, any of this stuff. But here's the deal. Some of us, we go, see, that's the problem with Christianity. We have to deny ourselves. No, no, no. We say no to ourselves because Jesus has said yes to us. He's going, I want you to experience my life. I want you to find your life. And here's the deal. For all of us, we love, we actually love this idea when others deny themselves. We do. Let me just, let me prove it. You know, Valentine's Day weekend, say tomorrow, take my wife out for Valentine's Day. And that's what I tell her. Good news. We're going to my favorite restaurant. Already y'all like, Nate, don't do that. Hey, and then Ruthie, after we go eat, you know what I want to do? I want to go play pickup basketball. That's our date. Some of y'all are like, we need to pray for this man right now. He ain't going to make it through tomorrow. Here's why. We actually love when other people deny themselves. Because what happens is when we deny ourselves, other people get put before us. See, Jesus says, I've come to deny myself so you can experience my life, so you can experience my grace. And what happens is when we deny ourselves, we begin to see God work. And really, here's why Jesus says, I want you to deny yourself, because if we don't deny ourselves, here's what's going to happen. Sin is going to devour us. Sin's going to devour us. Listen what James, Jesus' brother, goes on to say. He didn't grow up believing in Jesus, but later on he came to faith in Jesus. And listen what it says in James chapter 4, verse 13. He says, now listen, you who say today or tomorrow we will go to this or that city, or we'll spend a year there or carry on business and make money, just kind of do whatever we want. Why you don't even know what will happen tomorrow? You can't say that. And then listen to what he asks. He asks just such a profound question. What is your life? What is your life? You are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. And instead, you ought to say, if it is the Lord's will, we will live and do this or that. As it is, you boast and you brag. And all such boasting is evil. Anyone then who knows the good he ought to do and doesn't do it, sins. What James is saying in this moment is this. It's not bad to have dreams. It's not bad to have plans. It's not bad to have business plans. Man, dream. God has put these you know, gifts in your life. Dream. Cultivate. But here's the only thing. Be careful for you and I, not just to start running down our own path, but we would be quick to deny ourselves and go, God, if it is your will, this is what we, we want to do with our life. God, if it's your will, this is where I want to step out. God, if it's your will, this is why he begins to say, hey, realize your life is but a mist. You know, sometimes this is what we hear people say, the phrase, you know, when life gets tough, people say this, Jesus, take the wheel. You know, life is out of control. When do people say, Jesus, take the wheel? When it's too late. When you're flying off the cliff. When you've hit the wall in life. What if, before we hit the wall, we said, Jesus, you take the wheel of my life. Jesus, you drive. I'll deny myself so I can say yes to you because you said it, Jesus, whoever loses their life for me in the gospel will find it. You guarantee me life. So Jesus, you take the will. I love hearing people here at church who are getting sober, addicts who are recovering, and I'll, I'll ask the question, what was the beginning point? And they said, what I realized was this, I couldn't save myself. 
And they'll say, I either went to celebrate recovery here at Northside, I went to AA, and they said, step one is this. This is what you have to confess at step one if you want to get over your addiction of alcohol and this stuff. He says, we admit we are powerless over alcohol and that our lives have become unmanageable. And they said, when I get there, when I realize that my life is unmanageable and I surrender my life, it opens me up to everything else. Jesus says, Deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow me. Don't just deny yourself one time. Begin to live this life of denying yourself. Begin to pick up your cross and go, okay, God, today I'm yours. Here are my plans, but God, they're your plans. God, here's the desires of my heart, but I want to go with you. I want to go on this field trip with you. I want to go on this journey with you because he says, I want you to follow me. Because when you follow me, whoever wants to save his life, you're going to lose it. But whoever loses his life for me and for the gospel will save it. See, this is the journey he has for us of maturity. If you're taking notes, you want to write this down. The journey is that we get to experience eternal life now. Too many times we have this belief that eternal life only happens when we die. Now, when we pass away, if we are a follower of Jesus, we do get to spend eternity with him, which is an incredible moment. It's an incredible promise. But here's the deal. The reason why we deny ourselves and take up our cross right now is so we can experience his life on earth right now. Listen to what Jesus says in John chapter 17 to his disciples in verse 3. He says, now this is eternal life. If you've ever wondered what eternal life is, here's what it is. He says, this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent, that they may know you, the one true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you sent. Jesus wants to take you and I on a journey of eternal life. He wants us to be a part of something bigger than ourselves, better than ourselves. And, and not only that, he says this, and when you lose yourself for me and my gospel, listen what he says, you'll find it. Can you imagine what Peter was like in that moment? Just kind of bug-eyed going, whoa, Jesus, I, I didn't know what I was getting myself into when I rebuked you. Here's the beauty of Jesus. The beauty of Jesus is this, that he wants to pull out the deep things of our heart and our life and wants to deal with them. Do you realize this? Things that are heavy and weighty never float to the surface. They don't float to the surface, do they? See, only Jesus can pull the things to the surface that are really holding us down. The beauty of Peter's journey is this, yes, he missed Jesus in that moment, but Jesus had a better journey for him. Jesus had a journey of redemption and grace for him. If you study the life of Peter, what you'll find is this, Peter went on to follow Jesus, and then you know what he's famous for on Jesus' last night? He did what, anybody remember? He denied Christ three times. This journey of not having the things of God in mind, but the things of men. Back and forth, and yet Jesus meets him again after he resurrects from the dead, and he has breakfast with him. And you know what he tells him? This is how he invites Peter back into the journey. 
He doesn't say, you promise you're gonna do better next time or you're cut from the team. You know what he says? Peter, do you love me? Do you love me? See, that's what Jesus is asking you and I today. No matter where you are in your journey, no matter how much you've messed up your life, what all he's asking is this. Do you love me? Because I love you. I've come to restore you. I've come to rebuild your life. I've come to give you a path forward. I've come to take you on the field trip of a lifetime. But here's the deal. You got to lose yourself in me so you can find yourself. You won't find it out there, but you'll find it with me. Later on, when you read the scriptures, eventually getting into first and second Peter, what you find is a man who has gone on a journey of maturity and he closed that one degree gap. And he said, God, I'm gonna go with you. I'm not gonna have in mind the things of men, but Jesus, I'm gonna have in mind the things of you. And so today, just like Jesus asked Peter, he asked you and I, who do you say I am? Ask yourself in your heart, who do you say he is? And not only that, what step on the journey do you need to take with him? Here's what I wanna invite us to do right now. Just if you would, would you bow your head with me? And I want to do something just pretty unique for us in this moment. In this moment, Peter had an opportunity to respond to Jesus. Oh, he had said it with his mouth, but he really didn't know what it meant in his heart. And what I want to do right now is this. I just want us to remember and reclaim and say who Jesus is. And if you're here today and you went, you know what? Jesus has always been just a myth or he's just been a man. I didn't realize he needs to be my Messiah. He needs to be my savior. What I wanna do is this. I'm just gonna repeat what we repeat when we baptize people. And if today is the day that you're going, no longer is it gonna be about the things of men. It is gonna be about the things of God. And I'm gonna close the one decree because Jesus, you've come after me. And all you're asking me to do is turn and to love you. And here's what I'm gonna do. I'm just gonna repeat the confession we take when we baptize people. And today you may need to, for the first time, claim Jesus as your savior. And here's how we're gonna do it. I'm gonna invite everybody else, if you're a believer in this room, just to repeat after me, because we need to say that every day. And if you need to give your life to the Lord right now, I just wanna invite you to repeat after me. And this is what we take. We take it from this confession, just Let's say this out loud after me if you're already a Christian or you're saying today is the day. Just repeat after me. I believe that Jesus is the Christ, the son of the living God. And I accept him as my Lord and my savior. Just with heads bowed, if you said that for the first time and Jesus has moved from just being a man or a myth to a Messiah, just real small, you don't need to make a big scene, would you just raise your hand? Just kind of say, hey, this is me today. 
This is me today. I love it. Nobody needs to see you. Nobody needs to know. This is between you and the Lord. I love it. He knows you. And he's for you. And he invites you to follow him. I want to invite you, if that was your first time, to say that. Follow up with us out in the living room. Your next step is baptism. We want to talk with you. We want to celebrate with you. But right now, for some of you in this room, you've been a follower. And you know there's some things that God is calling you to surrender to him. Say, God, I'm going to trust you with that. Right now, I just want to pray for us that we would follow all that he has for us. So let's pray together. Father, first of all, God, I just thank you for those hands that were raised. Father, I don't know if they knew what what they were going to experience when they came in here today. But Father, here you were waiting on them, walking with them, ready to reach them. And so, Father, we just thank you for that new life. Father, we pray protection over them, protection from the evil one. The one that wants to just, ah, Jesus isn't real. You don't need the cross. Father, would you protect them by the power of your Holy Spirit? Jesus, as a church, right now we pray that, Father, by the power of your Holy Spirit, Day by day, moment by moment, we would deny ourselves, we would take up our cross, and Jesus, we would follow you, the one who's come to save us, the one who's come to redeem us. Jesus, this is your church, and your word is true, that you will build your church, and the gates of hell will not prevail. And so, Jesus, we say thank you. Thank you for coming. Thank you for dying. Thank you for rising again so we can have life in you. Would you make us a courageous congregation of you? Jesus, we pray all of this in your name. And all this said together, amen.